chapter ten of k this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. k by mary roberts reinhardt chapter ten on monday morning shortly after the mcgee prolonged breakfast was over a small man of perhaps fifty with iron-gray hair and a sparse goatee made his way along the street he moved with the air of one having a definite destination but a by no means definite reception as he walked along he eyed with a professional glance the elanthus and maple trees which with an occasional poplar lined the street at the door of mrs mcgee's boarding-house he stopped owing to a slight change in the grade of the street the mcgee house had no stoop but one flat doorstep thus it was possible to ring the doorbell from the pavement and this the stranger did it gave him a curious appearance of being ready to cut and run if things were unfavorable for a moment things were indeed unfavorable mrs mcgee herself opened the door she recognized him at once but no smile met the nervous one that formed itself on the stranger's face oh it's you is it it's me mrs mcgee well he made a conciliatory effort i was thinking as i came along he said that you and the neighbors had better get after these here caterpillars look at them maples now if you want to see tilly she's busy i only want to say how'd you do i'm just on my way through town i'll say it for you a certain doggedness took the place of his tentative smile i'll say it to myself i guess i don't want any unpleasantness but i've come a good ways to see her and i'll hang around until i do mrs mcgee knew herself routed and retreated to the kitchen you're wanted out front she said who is it never mind only my advice to you is don't be a fool tilly went suddenly pale the hands with which she tied a white apron over her gingham one were shaking her visitor had accepted the door open as permission to enter and was standing in the hall he went rather white himself when he saw tilly coming toward him down the hall he knew that for tilly this visit would mean that he was free and he was not free sheer terror of his errand filled him well here i am tilly all dressed up and highly perfumed said poor tilly with the question in her eyes you're quite a stranger mr schwitter i was passing through and i just thought i'd call around and tell you my god tilly i'm glad to see you she made no reply but opened the door into the cool and shaded little parlor he followed her in and closed the door behind him i couldn't help it i know i promised then she she's still living playing with paper dolls that's the latest tilly sat down suddenly on one of the stiff chairs her lips were as white as her face i thought when i saw you i was afraid you'd think that neither spoke for a moment tilly's hands twisted nervously in her lap mr schwitter's eyes were fixed on the window which looked back on the mcgee yard that spirea back there is not looking very good if you'll save the cigar butts around here and put them in water and spray it you'll kill the lice tilly found speech at last i don't know why you come around bothering me she said dully i've been getting along all right now you come and upset everything 
mr Shewitter rose and took a step toward her well i'll tell you why i came look at me i ain't getting any younger am i time's going on and i'm wanting you all the time and what am i getting what have i got out of life anyhow i'm lonely tilly what's that got to do with me you're lonely too ain't you me i haven't got time to be and anyhow there's always a crowd here you can be lonely in a crowd and i guess is there anyone around here you like better than me oh what's the use cried poor tilly we can talk our heads off and not get anywhere you've got a wife living and unless you intend to do away with her i guess that's all there is to it is that all tilly haven't you got a right to be happy she was quick of wit and she read his tone as well as his words you get out of here and get out quick she had jumped to her feet but he only looked at her with understanding eyes i know he said that's the way i thought of it at first maybe i've just got used to the idea but it doesn't seem so bad to me now here are you drudging for other people when you ought to have a place all your own and not gettin younger any more than i am here's both of us lonely i'd be a good husband to you till because whatever it'd be in law i'd be your husband before god tilly cowered against the door her eyes on his here before her embodied in this man stood all that she had wanted and never had he meant a home tenderness children perhaps he turned away from the look in her eyes and stared out of the front window them poplars out there ought to be taken away he said heavily they're hell on sewers tilly found her voice at last i couldn't do it mr Shewitter. i guess i'm a coward maybe i'll be sorry perhaps if you got used to the idea what's that to do with the right and wrong of it maybe i'm queer it don't seem like wrongdoing to me it seems to me that the lord would make an exception of us if he knew the circumstances perhaps after you get used to the idea what i thought was like this i've got a little farm about seven miles from the city limits and the tenant on it says that nearly every sunday somebody motors out from town and wants a chicken and waffle supper there ain't much in the nursery business any more these landscape fellows buy their stuff direct and the middleman's out i've got a good orchard and there's a spring so i could put running water in the house i'd be good to you tilly i swear it it'd be just the same as marriage nobody need know it you'd know it you wouldn't respect me don't a man respect a woman that's got courage enough to give up everything for him tilly was crying softly into her apron he put a work-hardened hand on her head it isn't as if i'd run around after women he said you're the only one since maggie he drew a long breath i'll give you time to think it over suppose i stop in to-morrow morning it doesn't commit you to anything to talk it over there had been no passion in the interview and there was none in the touch of his hand he was not young and the tragic loneliness of approaching old age confronted him he was trying to solve his problem and tilly's and what he had found was no solution but a compromise to-morrow morning then he said quietly and went out the door all that hot august morning tilly worked in a daze mrs mcgee watched her and said nothing 
she interpreted the girl's white face and set lips as the result of having had to dismiss shawitter again and looked for time to bring peace as it had done before le moigny came late to his midday meal for once the mental anaesthesia of endless figures had failed him on his way home he had drawn his small savings from the bank and mailed them in cash and registered to a back street in the slums of a distant city he had done this before and always with a feeling of exaltation as if for a time at least the burden he carried was lightened but to-day he experienced no compensatory relief life was dull and stale to him effort ineffectual at thirty a man should look back with tenderness forward with hope k lumoigny dared not look back and had no desire to look ahead into empty years although he ate little the dining-room was empty when he finished usually he had some cheerful banter for tilly to which she responded in kind but what with the heat and with heaviness of spirit he did not notice her depression until he rose why you're not sick are you tilly me oh no low in mind i guess it's the heat it's fearful look here if i send you two tickets to a roof garden where there's a variety show can't you take a friend and go to-night thanks i guess i'll not go out then unexpectedly she bent her head against a chair back and fell to silent crying Kay let her cry for a moment then now tell me about it i'm just worried that's all let's see if we can't fix up the worries come now out with them i'm a wicked woman mr lemoyne then i'm the person to tell it to i i'm pretty much a lost soul myself he put an arm over her shoulders and drew her up facing him suppose we go into the parlor and talk it out i'll bet things are not as bad as you imagine but when in the parlor that had seen mr shawitter's strange proposal of the morning tilly poured out her story Kay's face grew grave the wicked part is that i want to go with him she finished i keep thinking about being out in the country and him coming in to supper and everything nice for him and me cleaned up and waiting oh my god i've always been a good woman until now i-i understand a great deal better than you think i do you're not wicked the only thing is go on hit me with it you might go on and be very happy and as for the for his wife it won't do her any harm it's only if there are children i know i've thought of that but i'm so crazy for children exactly so you should be but when they come and you cannot give them a name don't you see i'm not preaching morality god forbid that i but no happiness is built on a foundation of wrong it's been tried before tilly and it doesn't pan out he was conscious of a feeling of failure when he left her at last she had acquiesced in what he said knew he was right and even promised to talk to him again before making a decision one way or the other but against his abstractions of conduct and morality there was pleading in tilly the hungry mother heart law and creed and early training were fighting against the strongest instinct of the race it was a losing battle end of chapter ten